This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and some interesting tweets that we have come across Recently, I am one of your Golden Knights beat writers, Ben Goats. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, we thought we were going to talk about a uh, Golden Knights playoff series, and we still will a little bit on this latest edition of the podcast, which we are recording on a Sunday morning. But uh, Dave, what have, what have the last kind of 24 hours been like for you wrapping your head around some uh, significant Knights news? I don't know about you, but my back hurts, you know, it feels like there's just like something placed through it. I, I'm not really sure, but you know, <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been a wild day or two or, you know, however long, what, I guess one fifty four was the official time of the tweet. So we're coming up on, on 24 hours here. I, I mean, the nights were humming along. Everything's fine and dandy. And then scorched earth. It's, it's not not anything I've seen lately, that's for sure. It's not something you normally see in hockey, except, of course, uh, by Alan Walsh, Mark Andre Slurry's agent, who has somewhat of a history with this. And, of course, we'll get more specific about what we're kind of dancing around here in a second. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by uh, Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and Favor, DrinkAFavor.com. Also, make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com because the uh, story we're discussing, we're going to have multiple posts about on our website, uh, both with Dave and I's takes the last two days and our columnist Ed Graney should have a piece expressing his thoughts on the whole uh, matter at hand sometime today, Sunday, as we're recording this. Uh, And also make sure to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this podcast. It helps people find us. Uh, especially when we're discussing some very interesting topics at a very important time of year for the Golden Knights as they are set to embark tonight 
on their second round matchup against the Vancouver Canucks. But before we get to that series, we have to discuss what, like I said, Mark andre Fleury's agent Alan Walsh posted uh, yesterday afternoon. He fired off a very interesting tweet. Uh, it showed Flurry playing hockey. Nice. But Flurry had a sword in his back, and on the sword were the words DeBoer, which of course is referring to Golden Knights coach Pete DeBoer. I think this is a somewhat clear indication that Flurry's agent is not happy that his client appears to have lost the starting job to Robin Leonard this postseason. As we're recording this, Marc-Andre Fleury has only started two of the night's eight postseason games so far. Robin Leonard has started the other six. Uh, the tweet was taken down this morning, right before Fleury addressed the media for about five minutes. He had an opening statement. He took four questions in English and one in French, and that was it. Um, and we're going to play his opening statement for you guys right now. I just wanted to say that... Uh... Alan's been my, my agent for a long time. I've known him since I'm 15. Uh, we're always very close. We always talk uh, about hockey or um, other things in life also. And um, I, mean, I think he's a guy that always uh, protects or uh, cares a lot about his players and he does about me also. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate his, his passion for the game. That he has, and um, you know, I think it was uh, maybe a way to uh, defend defend me into that situation. Um, you know, for, for not playing much, but um, you know, I'm I'm here to uh, to win with my team and um, to have success. You know, and that's that's what matters. And um, you know, so. Because of that, I, I asked him to, uh, to take the picture down, and uh, he did this morning. So. so there are Fleury's kind of opening thoughts. A lot of kind of nice words for his longtime agent, Alan Walsh, who he said he's known since he was 15. Not a lot of uh, you know condemnation there about the tweet necessarily, and certainly doesn't seem like he's parting ways with Walsh anytime soon. Uh, it's also worth stating uh, out of that little press conference that Fleury was asked twice whether he knew that tweet was coming and he did not answer either time. Uh, you know, I think today I'll start here. It's interesting that Flurry has said previously and he reiterated again today that he likes to play, but ultimately he is just about winning and he wants the Knights to win and of course advance and win the Stanley cup. But the team is seven and one this postseason. And this is what comes out of it, a, a tweet that kind of sets off a firestorm. So just what do you make out of this whole situation? I mean, there's a lot to dissect with it, like from the timing of it. And, you know, we can read into different things. What does this mean for for Leonard's future with the Knights? I, I, I mean, maybe it's an indication of that. Um, but I think let's step back here and let's just look at it from the perspective uh, and remember that Alan Walsh is Marc-Andre Fleury's agent. That's who he works for. That's who his obligation to his loyalty is to it's not the Knights or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm sure Marc-Andre Fleury can say that he didn't know about it and that's all fine and dandy. And, and, and he did, he did kind of intimate that he and Alan talk that, 
clearly, I think Alan Walsh knew that Flurry was unhappy. Now, whether he took it upon himself to do this photo edit and, and all sorts of fun stuff with it, I, you know, maybe we'll find out later. But Alan Walsh represents Mark Andre Flurry, and if he has knowledge of of the Knights' plans or he sees a situation and or a goalie market that maybe demand outmeet supply that there are a lot of teams that could use a starting goalie right now. Well, if Alan Walsh needs to go scorched earth and make sure that a lot of teams, you know, know that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be available, but also beyond that is take the heat because that's what this really is. This is about Alan Walsh being the lightning rod and about everybody hating him. And about everybody kind of not giving Marc-Andre Fleury a pass, but putting it all on on Alan Walsh and letting Marc-Andre Fleury just kind of, you know, try to exist in the bubble and get through this. And then we'll figure it out in the offseason. And, you know, whether you agree, disagree, whatever, that's what agents do. They shield their clients and take the heat if they have to. And that, I think, needs to, I guess maybe be appreciated with Alan Walsh and all this and, and, and at least respected that that's his job. That's what an agent does. Now, you know, you can question the timing and, and all of those sorts of things, which, you know, immediately I think we all did, but I think first and foremost, we have to remember who Alan Walsh works for and, and what his motives are. Right. And I think, you know, even taking a step back, we should probably address for, you know, I feel like, uh, I don't even know. It feels like eight straight weeks at this point, kind of how we got here, the situation. Like I said, I think we really broke this down last episode when we discussed how the Knights ended up kind of playing their goalies in the Chicago Blackhawks series, that five game first round win, which was Robin Leonard started four of those games. Marc-Andre Fleury started one. He was really good in that one game, but he only started that one game. Um, And that was only because it was a back-to-back, so DeBoer wanted to use both his goaltenders. Now, I think, you know, where we kind of came to a consensus last episode, and I know this is not necessarily where the fan base is at based on a lot of their reaction, is that starting Leonard really did appear to be, you know, at the time, the logical and maybe kind of cold-blooded, if you don't want to be emotional about it, thing to do. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury is a likely Hall of Famer. He is the face of the Knights franchise for its first three seasons and was just remarkable that first season, kind of giving them a well-known face, giving them credibility, respectability. And ultimately, you know, he's the reason why they reached the Stanley Cup final that first year, because he was awesome that postseason, especially in the Western Conference finals against the Winnipeg Jets. But when it came to this postseason and how things were stacking up, you know, in March and then obviously when things came back and things were stacking up in training camp in July, I mean, Robin Leonard, you know, was playing extremely well. And as, you know, Pete DeBoer basically said, it's not what Marc Andre didn't do, it's what Leonard did do, which is essentially not lose uh, after he got traded to the Knights. He didn't lose until. Game four of the Blackhawks series, and I believe he is now seven one seven and one with the Knights. So he's making it really, really hard to take him out of the crease. And obviously, you understand 
why that irks Flurry a little bit because he's a guy who's deservedly earned a little bit of an ego because of all the prior success that he's had because he's you know the fifth winningest goalie in NHL history. He's tied for the sixth playoff winningest goalie in NHL history. So you know, obviously, all that said, you know why Flurry might feel that he has some ownership of that crease, but. I mean, do we expect this tweet to, to change anything in Pete DeBoer's mind and what he views as kind of the pecking order going forward, Dave? Oh, heck no. No. I mean, I mean, if anything, I think maybe that solidified it. I, but I do think this. I've come to kind of maybe learn that tweet is a reaction to something. You know what I mean? Now, we haven't been able to get a hold of Alan Walsh and he hasn't spoken publicly and so we don't quite know the context of why he felt the need to do that on the eve of the Western Conference semifinals. The timing of it is is so odd, but it leads me to believe that he has some kind of, you know, knowledge of the situation, I guess you could say. Now, whether that means the Knights are working on an extension with Robin Leonard, whether that means they've indicated, hey, this is the direction we're going or, you know, would Mark something something happened. Right. Like it doesn't just come out of thin air that he goes, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do this right now. Like there has to be something that precipitated it. So it feels like the photo edit, the artwork, the tweet, all of this is in reaction to something. And I don't expect it to change, you know, something going forward. I don't think this was like a proactive, you know, let's try to get Marc-Andre Fleury in the crease and let's put up a tweet with him getting stabbed in the back. And that'll make Pete DeBoer say, darn it. I should have played Mark Andre Fleury. Like that's not the situation. It doesn't happen like that. So no, in, the, in that regard, I don't expect anything to change. I guess maybe what I expect to change going forward and without jumping too far ahead of this, because we wanted to talk about it, is I just think it indicates like how, if you're Mark Andre Fleury, do you come back to this team? Like you just have to know that your time is up and, and that's what that tweet you know, seems to be all about, right? No, totally. And I want to get into that question about his future in a sec here. But first, I kind of want to go back to something we talked about last week, which will hopefully set up the future discussion a little bit, which is, you know, we talked on last week's episode that, you know, we don't necessarily disagree with how Pete DeBoer is handling this goaltending situation. Now, while Robin Leonard has been the primary starter so far, DeBoer has never come out and said, yeah, Robin's our guy, you know, we're riding him until he kind of gives out basically like we're, we're going to go as far as Robin Leonard is going to go. He has always maintained whenever he's asked about it. I want to play both guys. I'm keeping an open mind about everything. You know, no firm decisions have been made for the rest of the postseason, which, you know, I think we agree with and think is a good move because I still think that there is a chance, and I don't think this has anything to do with the tweet, but I think there's a chance if, say, Leonard loses two in a row against the Canucks, that DeBoer says, all right, well, now we got to go back to Marc-Andre, and we'll see how far Marc-Andre Fleury will take us. And so even re- in regards to Fleury's future, while I certainly think the kind of percentage outcomes of what Fleury's future will look like have certainly changed in the last 24 hours, I still think a lot is going to be up in the air and determined what happens this postseason? Because I still think there's a chance that he could take over the net again this postseason. It's certainly not trending that way right now. I certainly think 
there's a lot of solid reasons from the Knights management point of view in terms of Kelly McCrimmon, Pete DeBoer, why it's turning that way right now. But certainly, you know, even before yesterday, the door was not shut on Fleury becoming the number one of this team again. But I guess, yeah, Dave, in your mind, how does the calculus now change because of what's just happened? Yeah, and maybe I can articulate what I was trying to say earlier because I think that's the perfect setup. But okay, let, let's do let's do that. Let me go back and and let let us go back a little bit on Alan Walsh because there's a history here with this. Correct? This is something that he's done before. When Yaroslav Halak was in Montreal, what was it, 2009, 2010s? So he had a tweet. He basically trashed Carey Price. Said he was you know ten and thirty two in his last forty two starts while Yaroslav Halak was basically sitting and wasting and whatever, right? And then eventually he deleted that tweet, but it served its purpose. That Yaroslav Halak moved on from the Canadians at that point. Carey Price is still there, and everybody loves Carey Price, right? Carey Price beat the Penguins this year. Everybody was afraid of playing the Canadians in a short series because of Carey Price. He wins you know, the NHLPA voting, his best goalie, all that sort of stuff. But Yaroslav Halak went on. He's been a really solid kind of, I guess, 1B with the Bruins backing up Tuka Rask, and he's the starter right now in Boston with Tuka Rask out of the bubble. So again, to go back to my point, this is what Alan Walsh does as an agent. And, and so to answer your question, I feel like it indicates that that this is Flurry's that last go-round, that his time is up, and they know that, that they have to have some kind of indication that they're not going to go back to him because why else would you do it? Because the scenario that you present is entirely plausible. He could have struggled for a couple games in a row and they have to go back to him or what knock on wood. If you're a Knights fan, what if he slides across his crease and pulls a groin and they have to go back to Marc-Andre Fleury or something like that. So with that knowledge, if you're Alan Walsh, you have to know that that's possible. Correct. And yet you still go and say, hey, they're stabbing me in the back. So, I mean, it's poisoning the waters for him. And you don't do that without knowing, to me, that the Knights' plan is that they're moving on regardless. And even if he has to come in and rescue us and whatever, that Robin Leonard seems to be their guy going forward. That's, that, that's, my, that's my read on this. That's if I'm going to go between the lines and, and try to figure out the how and the why. That's what I'm coming up with. One plus one equals two. And my my answer is that the Knights have chosen Robin Leonard as, you know, their goalie. And if that means that we get a contract extension announcement or something, you know, coming down the pike or whatever, I, I would not be surprised. That's the only way that this points for me. That'll be fascinating to see what kind of comes out after this. As a reminder for everyone who's wondering kind of about the contract situation, Right now, Marc-Andre Fleury is under contract for two seasons beyond this one at a $7 million cap hit that is tied for the fourth highest in the NHL with Boston's Tuka Rask. Uh, you would imagine with the flat salary cap uh, the next couple of years in the NHL that that's certainly not going to be the easiest contract to move, but we'll see if the Knights are motivated to try to find a way anyway. And of course, Robin Leonard is a pending unrestricted free agent, so if he gets to free agency, he is eligible to sign with any team that he would want to. And he has certainly indicated in the past that he wants a multi-year contract that shows some sort of a commitment 
from another team because so far in his career it's been a lot of one-year deals like he had this past year starting with chicago or just you know deals where he didn't feel secure or kind of you know respected by the team that ultimately gave him that contract he really wants a team to kind of step up and say you're our guy we believe in you and we believe this contract shows that so we'll see if uh, the knights do end up offering him that contract it would be, you know, borderline, I would say, impossible for them to do that without either mo- moving Flurry or moving another significant salary because otherwise the Knights will be above the salary cap limit. So in all likelihood, one of those goalies has got to go. And barring that, if you somehow think you can make it work with t- both goalies, which certainly Walsh's tweet uh, makes pretty clear that it's not going to be a good situation if you try to make it work with both goalies. You would have to move out another significant salary, like, say, you know, the last year of Paul Stasny's contract or something, which then you're robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit. And it's, you know, not going to be ideal for anyone. Well, that uh, lengthy intro aside, (laughs) that, you know, like I said, I mean, obviously it's a fascinating situation that we'll have to, you know, keep tabs on. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon signup on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code EDGE or DealDash.fm backslash EDGE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash EDGE. You know, easy to forget, the Knights are still about to play more playoff hockey games, even tonight as we're recording this. We're recording this kind of in the morning on Sunday and at 7.30 Pacific time, the puck is going to drop between the Knights' second round series against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, The Knights found out Friday that it was going to be Vancouver because that's when the Canucks dethroned the defending champion St. Louis Blues in six games. Uh, They started out with a four-game series win against the Minnesota Wild in the qualifying round. So, so far, it's been a pretty impressive run for this young Canucks team. Um, As a reminder for everyone who's maybe listening to this before uh, the games start, that the games will now be on uh, NBCSN largely, no more AT&T Sportsnet. Um, you can also listen at Fox Sports Radio. Game one, as I said, is tonight. Game two is 6.45 p.m. Tuesday. Game three, 6.45 p.m. Thursday. And then game five, or game four, excuse me, 
will come on Saturday, I believe, at 5 p.m. Uh, so a couple things before we get into what'll be kind of an abbreviated uh, deep dive because of course, uh, we had planned this to be in a preview episode basically and then all the goalie stuff happened. But I wanna talk about the schedule quick, Dave. The Knights were originally probably going to be scheduled to start this series on Tuesday. That was the kind of original tentative schedule from the NHL where they said the second round is going to begin August 25th. But then basically almost every series in the first round wrapped up early. So the night or the NHL just said, let's move everything up. And Dallas and Colorado opened the second round yesterday on NBC. And the night series got moved up to today. Do we ultimately think this is a good idea? Did the Canucks deserve more of a breather because they took out the defending Stanley Cup champions or do we think because everyone's in the bubble anyway, they just don't care? So I'm on board with this in terms of like, let's go, let's play. And not because I'm afraid of anything happening, but let's be realistic about the situation and, and things here. And then let's also be realistic about it from a business standpoint. You've got a Saturday and a Sunday TV window and no games. So you got to fill it. You're trying to make money here. Like that's what this is all about. The postseason and and revenue and, and all those sorts of things. This, this is a business. So let's not forget that. And so in that sense, hey, you know, these guys don't have to travel. They're not jumping on a plane and, and flying back from St. Louis or something like that after winning and then going to Vegas and having to play. So I think for them, you know, having what a day off and then, and then playing plenty for the Canucks and the flip side for the Knights is I think they had just amount, just enough, just enough of the right amount. Can I say that? I don't think so. Holy cow. Um, the right amount of rest coming off their series without getting stale. Because I think if you go all the way to Tuesday and you haven't played for a week, now you're running the risk of having a little rust. You got to knock off in that first game. You never know. And I'm always kind of a fan. I'm going to look at this from, say, like a betting perspective or whatever of the team that's kind of in a rhythm and you're just playing. And, and sometimes you get into that every other day rhythm. And maybe that's easier than, than having to have a whole week or, you know, changing things up. That's, these guys are creatures of habit. So, so I think, you know, the schedule, I think, benefits the Knights being the top seed. They got rest. Canucks are fine. I think. The, whole, the way this all kind of played out and, and the way it could have been where the Knights have to go through two Central Division teams at the end and ultimately three Central Division teams to get to the final didn't work out that way. They get a Pacific Division team, so the advantage of the top seed does kind of come into play in all this. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. Like, let's get it going. Let's keep it moving. You know, let's, let's get through this. Yeah, and let's uh, start talking about the actual series that will be played. Uh, Vancouver is obviously a really interesting team. Uh, they're a Pacific Division team, of course, uh, same division as the Knights. And in a lot of ways, I think they're kind of similar to Chicago, the Knights' first-round opponent, except they're younger and a bit sexier because they, of course, got some some bigger names, especially some young names that have really burst on the scene in the NHL. They've had three straight finalists for the Calder Trophy for top rookie. Uh, it's likely, depending on the outcome of the voting this year, that they're going to have uh, three straight top two finishes with, of course, Elias Patterson, their young center, winning the Calder Trophy last year. 
Am I off base with that, Dave, calling them the younger, sexier version of the Blackhawks? Yeah, no, that's like kind of kind of in my notes. I, I, I don't think I phrased it as well as that. I was kind of thinking of like, uh, you know, 2.0 or like Chicago is the beta test, I think, for uh, for Vancouver a little bit. But yeah, there are there are a lot of similarities, you know, top end, you know, top end stars, high end skill. Like you mentioned, Patterson, Besser and, and Hughes and, and those guys. Um, maybe a little deeper, maybe a little heavier than the Blackhawks. Pete DeBoer mentioned that, but, but I do absolutely think there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. So what we're talking about with that is of course, another kind of good top six for the Knights to face. As I said, they're got this first line center uh, as Patterson, who's just really, really had a good first two years in the NHL. He's got a really good power forward on his line named JT Miller, who came over via a trade from the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was the Canucks leading scorer this year with 72 points. Uh, the second line has captain Bo Horvat. And then typically when they're fully healthy, which uh, they're not expected to be to start the series, they've got uh, this goal scoring winger named Brock Besser, who was the Calder Trophy runner up in 2018. They also have Tanner Pearson, who is pretty solid. Uh, and typically, Pedersen and Miller are joined on the top line by uh, winger Tyler Toffoli, who was acquired from the Los Angeles Kings at the deadline. Uh, Toffoli is injured and hasn't played a lot this postseason. I believe he's only been in one game, and he is not expected to go tonight, Sunday, as we're recording this. But when everyone's healthy, that's a really good and really dangerous top six, and it shows up in an area that we're going to talk about later. But... Overall, kind of like we talked about with the Blackhawks, there's not a lot to get really scared of when you go down to the third and fourth line. And that's something that we really saw show up in the Blackhawks series where the Knights third line of Nick Cousins, Nicholas Waugh and Alex Tuck just, you know, feasted analytics wise. They didn't always uh, pop on the score sheet, but they were dominating the puck when they were on the ice. And the same really went for the Knights fourth line as well i mean is that something that you see is something that can continue this series dave yeah i do and i think it, it'll be key for him i just don't think it's going to be i mean i hesitate to use the word easy i just don't think they're going to have their way with the canucks say third line the way that they did with the blackhawks and, and i only say that you know <laughs> not to sound like the neanderthal you know older generation let's get a bunch of rock'em sock'em fights here but antoine Roussel can be a pain in the but to play against um, Ryan Reeves does not like Antoine Roussel. He is on record as saying that. So that's going to be, you know, a fun matchup maybe for those of us who don't mind, you know, the occasional, you know, fisticuffs and, uh, and maybe some chirping and, and maybe a little uh, controversy, some back and forth uh, between the two of them during the series. I don't know. I'm not trying to stir it up or anything like that, but you know, you never know what could happen, but I, I think mainly it's going to be for the Knights that they need that production. They're going to need, you know, that third line of Nick Cousins, Nick Waugh, Alex Tuck, like you mentioned, to, you know, put up, you know, analytic numbers in, in shot attempt numbers, Corsi, and, and all of that, the way that they did. Control puck, wear teams down, be big, because I think maybe one of the things with all of this, like we talked about, is, you know, maybe physicality is not quite still there with Vancouver the way, you know, some other teams like the Blues or whatever. They don't quite play the heavy game. Maybe over a six, seven game series, I think a lot of people expected the Blues to kind of wear the Canucks down. Maybe that's where the Knights, you know, are able to take advantage. 
yeah, we'll see if that happens. And I think it's a similar story on the blue line because you know I've obviously mentioned the, the Calder Trophy voting a lot. The guy who's likely going to finish in the top two this year, if not just outright win it, is Quinn Hughes, who led all rookies in assists and points this year. Uh, he's just a really outstanding young defenseman, super skilled, great vision, awesome on the power play. But outside of him, there's no one that you kind of look at on the Canucks blue line and go, oh man, like we really got to worry about this guy. They've got some, you know, decent guys. Alexander Edler's good. Troy Stetcher's fine. Chris Tanev is kind of okay. He's Quinn Hughes' typical partner. But, you know, not a ton to kind of hang your hat on there, especially when you look at the Knights. And, you know, so far, Dave, they've been pretty good getting production from all three of their pairs. Yeah, I mean, I think the one guy that you have to throw in there, too, is Tyler Myers um, for the Canucks. And, and you know, a source had kind of let me know that they up in Vancouver suspected that he had separated a shoulder. But that, you know, maybe at some point that he comes back, we don't know. Um, so he he's an interesting guy if he's in the mix just because of his size and length and, you know, maybe ability to kind of form a shutdown pair with somebody. Um, I'm not super familiar with what their pairs were before. I'm not sure if he was a guy that played with Quinn Hughes, but but I do think he's at least something that's, you know, maybe a little bit of an X factor for them. He would make them deeper on the blue line. Um, I do want to make one quick point, though, too, is I just think it'll be interesting kind of on the flip side, what the Knights do in terms of their defensemen and how they're deployed, because a lot of the matchup that Pete DeBoer and, and I guess, uh, Coach Ryan McGill used with the defenseman was matching the Shea Theodore Alec Martinez pair against Patrick Kane and using Nate Schmidt and Braden McNabb as kind of the shutdown pair against Jonathan Taves line. So I'll be curious to see kind of how the Knights match up, you know, with their defensemen, you know, against the Canucks top six and and how those guys are deployed too. Yeah, totally. Um, and now I want to actually talk about some things that I think are going to be also some really significant X factors in this series. And one is obviously goaltending. We've talked a lot about the night situation and how that appears to be breaking down right now. But that was this was something that obviously swung at least one game in the Blackhawks series when Corey Crawford just decided that his team wasn't going to get swept in game four. And Jacob Markstrom for the Canucks has just been flat-out excellent. He's got a 9.29 save percentage in the playoffs. He's allowed more than three goals in a game just once out of uh, 10 starts this postseason. And when you've got the firepower that Vancouver has, as we talked about their excellent top six, I mean, that's been enough for them a lot of nights so far. So is there any doubt in your mind, Dave, that this is another guy who's got the potential to steal a game or two for his team? So here's the thing. I don't know that I get that feeling with him, like not steal a game. I mean, yeah, I guess it's possible. You know, he's a really good goaltender. I think he was what, like a 918 um, save percentage during the regular season. I'm not 100% on that, but I know it was was a very quality number and he's a very quality goaltender. He's a guy that Pete DeBoer talked about, you know, when he was in Florida and he was a big time heralded prospect coming in. He was a high draft pick. You know, he was kind of pushed to the NHL pretty quickly. He was a guy that, you know, in NHL circles, there was a lot of buzz around. So it's not like he came out of thin air, but he took a while to develop. And the thing with that is, I I don't know, like, does he scare you in the same way that that maybe some other goaltenders, you know, around the league do? Does does he scare you on the flip side? 
if you're the Canucks, do you say, you know, well, man, Robin Leonard could really steal a game in the same way that you, if you're the Knights, say, well, Jacob Markstrom could steal a game? I don't know. It's possible. He's really good. But I don't expect these series, you know, these games in this series to be, you know, two one games where Jacob Markstrom is is stealing a lot of them. I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in a week we talk about this and 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 I'm you know eating words and and all of that. I I'd be more than willing to do it if and give us something to talk about. As as good as he is, I I don't know that I get that same. Let's go back to like a Carey Price feeling. Carey Price is somebody that I feel I can steal a game or two. I don't know that Jacob Markstrom is Carey Price. No, that's fair, especially because this is actually his first uh, postseason. So we're still kind of getting a look at how Markstrom performs in the playoffs. And I also agree that we're probably not going to see a lot of uh, 2-1 games this series uh, because, you know, moving on to the next point, Vancouver's power play is really good. And that's a big reason why that they've already made it as far as they have. Uh, the Canucks have scored on 26% of uh, their power plays in the playoffs, which is a big number, but it's actually not too far ahead of where they were in the regular season. They were fourth uh, on the power play in the regular season. They've been a middling penalty-killing team, but uh, the Knights during the regular season were a bad penalty-killing team. So Vancouver has the edge there too, though certainly the Knights seem to have cleaned up a lot of things there in the playoffs. And so you know, we talked to players a bunch about this yesterday on uh, a Zoom call and kind of same with Pete DeBoer too. But I mean, this feels like the area Vancouver has to exploit if they're going to pull off the upset here. The Knights were neutral on special teams against Chicago, but Vancouver's kind of path to winning this series involves them just really dominating the special teams battle. I mean, do you agree, Dave? Yeah, a hundred percent. Cause I think the Knights are a better team. And I think that's the, maybe like you said, that's the X factor. That's the, the, the great equalizer in all of this is when you've got Elias Pettersson, when you've got Quinn Hughes quarterbacking it best, you know, those guys, it's a very dangerous power play. It was fourth in the league, you know, during the regular season almost like 25%, which not many teams get up, you know, near that, you know, that area. And then, like you said, they're, they're even better right now in the playoffs. It's a tough ask for, for the Knights penalty kill, which has struggled. But I think, you know, and I kind of wrote about this, the anecdote is stay out of the box. Don't put them on the power play. Don't give them man advantages. And the Knights have been the best team in the postseason so far at staying out of the box and, and not taking penalties. Pete DeBoer made a point kind of early on. And I thought this is interesting because, you know, these, these are the types of things that I look at as, you know, what's a good coach, you know, when, when you out coach somebody or whatever details, all those sorts of things. Pete DeBoer talked way back and maybe credit to the media for asking about it, but he mentioned about, look, we have to learn the standard of refereeing and how are things going to be called and, and all that going, going into it, I'm sure that was a point that he addressed with them. And it seems like it's been a point of emphasis during the postseason because other than a few things, you know, Braden McNabb and Riley Smith had a game where he took two penalties in the first period, and that never happens. Uh, they've been really good and disciplined. So the way to counter the X factor, yeah, and, and Vancouver's excellent power play and excellent special teams Stay out of the box. No, absolutely. Like I said, that seems to be the way that the Canucks have to win this series. 
And I think that's reflected in the betting odds, which is something I want to talk about before we wrap up here. Uh, Westgate, as of yesterday, when I looked this up, had the Knights as minus 335 to advance. Um, for those of you that uh, don't know betting that well, don't like to bet on hockey games that often, uh, to me, that's a really, really high number for a second round playoff series. That is uh, significant that the Knights have kind of that good of odds to win this series. Uh, they were minus 350 against Chicago, so it's not that far off from you know how the series was kind of set up when they were playing the worst team in the Western Conference that returned to play. Uh, the next closest kind of set of odds for the first round was Colorado was minus 300 against Arizona. Now in the second round, the next closest was Colorado again, being uh, minus 265 against Dallas. And those odds have certainly already shifted because Dallas defeated the Avs in game one last night. Uh, I'm curious if that's how you view this series, Dave. Are the Knights just kind of overwhelming favorites here? And do we almost view it as similar to Chicago once again, kind of, you know, once again, the younger, sexier version of Chicago, where the Knights probably are better top to bottom, but just like Chicago, Vancouver's got, uh, as you phrased it in our Blackhawks preview, uh, you know, quote-unquote venom, that can hurt the Knights because they've got that top power play because they've got some really top-end skill guys. And obviously, so far, they have a goaltender that's playing very well. Yeah, well, obviously, we're not allowed to place wagers um, as as members of the media covering the NHL. So I can't run to the betting window, but I certainly wouldn't run to the betting window to put down at minus 350 um, against the night. The flip side to that is, yeah, if I'm... The odds maker, if I'm on the other side of the betting window, I, that's probably the number that I'm posting. The Knights have never lost to the Canucks in regulation. It's like 8-0-2. They were 1-0-1 this year. And they always kind of have played a lot of these high-scoring games. Or the Knights seem to always dictate tempo, kind of impress their style or impose their style on the Canucks. And, and yeah, as much venom as dangerous as they are, and they're much more dangerous, I think, than the Blackhawks were even, you know, with without a guy like Patrick Kane. I mean, I, I think Canucks are deeper, better. I think the Knights are, are a clear favorite in this series. I, I wouldn't get away from that number if I was an odds maker. I mean, everything points to it. I think all the matchups and, and just the Knights' ability to, you know, probably play a heavier series against them and, and still be able to score if they get into you know those types of scenarios i i think this is the one x factor in all of this and and to kind of put a bow on our conversation here is how much does this flurry tweet and the flurry element cause a distraction to the knights and and whether robin leonard can basically be the guy to close the door and give them solid goaltending and then it becomes a non issue or whether this thing boils, because if there's a game or two where Leonard struggles and maybe you get talk of having to go back to flurry, you know, then you've got a whole lot of stuff in that dressing room that that becomes hard to overcome. At least on paper, if all things being equal, I, I do. I think the Knights are, are clearly the better team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think you also said it well that, you know, if Robin Leonard lets in a couple soft ones tonight, things all of a sudden get 
very interesting for the Knights, and it's all because Marc-Andre Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, decided to uh, fire off a, a very interesting tweet with some very interesting artwork yesterday. We will, of course, we'll keep you guys posted on uh, everything that develops out of that tweet, everything that develops out of this Knights of Vancouver series at ReviewJournal.com. Just make sure to check back there for all the Golden Knights content you need. Like I said, we have two stories on the tweet already there. Uh, Columnist Ed Graney will have something later today, Sunday, as we're recording this. And of course, we will have post-game coverage from game one of that series later tonight as well. A big thanks to Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and Favor, drinkafavor.com, for presenting this podcast. Also, remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one to help people find us. For Dave Shane, I'm Ben Goats. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily Favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.